0: money cause you stress when a new life situation arises do you worry how that will affect your budget and cash flow managing money is not always easy but learning how to plan set and adjust goals as needed can help keep stress to a minimum and your financial success on a steady course welcome to money counts unleashing your money's hidden potential with host debbie peterson your future plan starts right here here's debbie
1: Hello, this is Debbie Peterson at Money Counts. I'm here today with Nicole Maloney, my partner, and Christopher Essex, who is our guest speaker today. We are continuing our series on unleashing your money's hidden potential, looking for opportunities where you can maybe make some better decisions on some things you've done over time and refresh your memory about how they work and see if maybe some changes are needed. Chris is going to talk to us about life insurance. This is part two of understanding life insurance. And today we will be talking about um, avoiding probate, how beneficiaries work in life insurance, some riders that are available that are called accelerated death benefit riders that can be useful while you're alive, and also asset-based life insurance. If you have questions that you would like us to answer for you, you can email those to mcradio at moneycounts.biz. And we will also have the materials for today's workshop available on our website. And our website is moneycounts.biz. So here we go. Take it over, Chris.
2: All right. Well, I appreciate you all guys having me again today for session two. Earlier we kind of went through the different types of life insurance, some of the ways that you can actually use life insurance, um, the importance once again of reviewing your life insurance if you haven't. And that brings us uh, really into one of the most important things which is making sure the beneficiaries on your contracts are up to date. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a household and I hate to say even good people have bad situations happen. Um, as some parents have uh, good kids and bad kids, but some people have first and second marriages and wives and things of that nature. And let's say you marry the love of your life that might be your second or potentially third wife, potentially, or husband, and you left a beneficiary on your old life insurance contract as your first spouse. Guess what? That's a contractual obligation to the insurer And it's a very, very, it takes about three minutes max to actually contact your agent, get the form and make sure that all your beneficiary provisions are up to date. Um, A lot of people uh, as well, maybe they've changed the decision on who they want their beneficiaries to be. Maybe they've decided, you know, hey, I really love the foundation at my church. I want to make sure it goes to the church. Um, Maybe, let's say you're one of the blessed that has one of those sizable estates and you want to reduce some of your taxability. A charitable gift may be a good way to do such. So making sure that all your provisions not only in terms of that your life insurance contract is functioning properly but also the provisions of who you want your contract to go to are correct as well. Uh, A lot of people have put in place And I'll tell you, if you haven't done it, make sure you've updated along the lines of your wills, your trust, power of attorney as well. But uh, I've seen situations where they've set up a trust to hold life insurance, but guess what they didn't actually do? Change the beneficiary. So just make sure that, and this brings into play, once again, I'll, I'll bring back the advisor that only manages your money. Um, I think that a lot of advisors go well, they do a great job on investments, but they tend not to cover the whole picture a lot of times. So I will tell you, if you've never had your financial advisor, your CPA and your attorney in the same room, you might need to look at having a review of what you've got because those are your key financial advisors. And even if you don't have a sizable estate, just making sure that all those people are in the know of what you want to do. And it may just be a conference call. But that's a very important thing to make sure the directives that you have in your mind in terms of how you want things to play out actually play out for you. Um, One of the other benefits, I think, that is inherent to life insurance, life insurance is dictated by contract law. So when you name a beneficiary, it goes to that beneficiary. If you name it to your estate, well, guess what? All your money that you just left is now, it's core record. You have now basically told everybody, hey, they're going to come look for your wife or spouse or husband and say, oh, you just got a half a million dollars. And now all of a sudden you've laid things out to where maybe you've got some disingenuous folks that are actually dealing with somebody you care about. Making sure that your beneficiary provisions are set and proper actually helps you and helps your beneficiaries protect themselves because life insurance avoids probate it's not listed in court documents it's not listed on any public record where somebody could basically prey on any one of your loved ones to get those assets so there's really a lot of things that go into not only in terms of making sure your life insurance is doing what it is supposed to do and will get you to where you want to be, whether it's term life insurance or permanent life insurance, but also at the end game, I'm going to kill everybody again, that it goes to who you want it to go to. So once again, if you haven't done a review of your life insurance, keep harping on it, bring it to your advisor, bring a statement, even if you don't even have a clue what you're looking at, because I guarantee you don't, um, bring it to somebody that you trust and let them give that a review.
1: Aren't there some states where if your beneficiary is a former spouse and you you got divorced, that that is considered an invalid beneficiary?
2: There may be a few left, but once again, it's dictated by the actual laws of the state. Normally, it is treated as contract law. So, you know, I, I could see that potentially more along the lines of a qualified plan. Okay. But I haven't... It's kind of hard to where if it's set in stone, you're the owner of the contract, you control the beneficiary provisions. Um, If you didn't change it, who's the company to say, how do we know you got married again?
1: Or that you didn't mean to leave that person on it.
2: Or that you meant to leave it to your boyfriend, girlfriend, or whoever that may have been at that point in time. So, you know, the thing about it is that you've got to look at is you just hopefully you found an advisor that's not going to and i see this time and time again the person that normally sells a client life insurance may be a one and done in the business i to call them that but they're in the business for a year maybe two years it doesn't work out and they've already made the money off of you they're gone nobody's looking at what your life insurance is doing so You have to actually want to be proactive to start looking at those things. And to say that life insurance doesn't have value, I actually, and I take it by I shouldn't use the word review. What you should really do is a life insurance appraisal to see what that asset is worth. And it might not have any worth today, but if you have a million-dollar term and you die tomorrow and it's in force, if you have a million-dollar permanent contract and you die tomorrow, it's in force. A million dollars is still going to somebody. So you really need to look at that as a, a, a basically an, an asset of value because at some point in time, it's going to be worth something to somebody. So working with an advisor that really is going to hold your, I say hold your hand, but make sure that whatever path you put in place You've got all the moving parts and pieces, and it's not just investments. It's not just you know, your qualified plans. It's your investments. It's your qualified plans. It's your long-term care. It's your life insurance. I mean, disability. You need to be protected in all these different avenues of your life, and if all you're worried about is what the Dow Jones is doing today or what the NASDAQ's doing today, then your advisor is really dropping the ball for you as a client. So it just, once again, you need to be having those types of conversations to make sure that wherever your roadmap takes you, you've got somebody that's in your team working for you to get there. Um, I think one of the other benefits to to life insurance that honestly has, has recently changed We've always had in our marketplace what's called accelerated benefit riders. And normally what that would do is if you were confined to a long-term care facility, it would allow you to access potentially up to 40 to 50% of the face amount of your contract. But you did have to be confined to a physical facility. You had to not be able to do two of the six activities of daily living. Um, Once you went on claim, then they would determine, a lot of times, how much of that benefit you could physically take. Um, a lot of the contracts actually also have built-in what would be like a named event type claim. So if you had heart attack, stroke, cancer, or the like, it paid to set amount. Um, so, you know, that was always normally just a free add-on to the client. There wasn't an additional cost to such. And you may or may not have actually qualified to utilize those things. Um, I can't tell you how many people now I'm hearing of are now dealing with their parents or their grandparents. Um, Whether it be memory loss, dementia, whether it be, you know, mom can't help dad get out of the bed in the morning. I mean a lot of times what tends to happen is they're not needing to be in a physical facility. They're needing to be cared day-to-day upkeep at the house. So, you know, and a lot of those wouldn't actually sometimes qualify for some of the benefits on these contracts. Um, And that was kind of a gap in the coverage. Uh, You mix that with the fact that I go as far back as when Prudential and MetLife jumped out of the long-term care insurance game. That probably should have been a telling sign that that probably wasn't a very good product line for a lot of insurers to kind of get into. Um, when, When you look at the different types of care that are needed and when you look at the different types of products that are available. One thing that we as advisors always want to do is I want to be able to about tell you what something's going to cost when you need it. Um, the problem that we have with long-term care, other than the lack of selection in terms of carriers, but I have no idea as an advisor what that's going to cost you when you actually need it, if You, as a client, currently have a long-term care contract. I guarantee you can call and and talk to the folks, and you probably had two or three or four different rate increases. Bad news is it's probably not going to stop. So what's happened industry-wide is looking at expanding the capabilities of life insurance. Um, What a lot of companies have done is add what's called an extended acceleration of benefits rider, which basically would open it up to more of a traditional type of long-term care scenario. Um, the long-term care that was originally on the market was what was called indemnity-based. Okay, You didn't have to keep track of receipts. You didn't have to keep track of anything. Once you went on claim, the company cuts your check. They figured out that was a bad deal. Now they've gone to reimbursement contracts. So, you can go on claim and you can have benefits utilization, but you need to keep that receipt of every single event that has happened to get the benefits paid.
1: Which what, means you need someone to be helping you if it's you who needs to claim
2: the they care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, that in and of itself becomes a job. Um, so, what the life insurance carriers did was Because, I mean, one of the things about life insurance is allowing that person that you're leaving behind, that you care about, to function like they were when you were here. So who wants to bankrupt a surviving spouse when you're on the way out? So basically what the company said was, we'll allow you to utilize some of your death benefit for these purposes. Uh, Nice thing is a lot of the riders... Um, one of the downsides to long term care, you normally had to go through a 90 or 180 day elimination period. So you had to cover all the expenses during that period before you got dollar one on most of the existing contracts. Um, on the long term care riders, most of them are zero day elimination. So first minute you qualify for claim, you have access to those funds. So and another the thing they do bring back into play is that indemnity-based feature. You don't have to keep track of receipts, you don't have to keep track of anything. If you want to go on that long-term cruise around the world, you want to go skydiving, gambling casino, we could care less. The insurance company is basically saying, hey, these funds are available and you don't have to use them if you don't want them. But for a containable cost and the normal addition to a permanent contract's premium, for this rider is anywhere between 8 to 12%. So there is a bit of an additional upcharge for the rider, but if you're a product with a guarantee type platform, all of a sudden you've added a benefit which has a quantifiable cost versus a traditional long-term care contract. Because your advisor may sell it to you today for $220, within 10 years it could be $340. Because the whole premise of life insurance and insurance in general Is new premiums coming in the door to cover claims going out the door? The problem in long-term care, there's not many companies accepting new premium, so basically in essence, you have a dead asset pool, and the only way to handle that and pay claims, either the company goes out of business or they raise costs to the insurance. So, I say traditional long-term care in my mind is kind of dead. And so thank goodness the companies have, have looked at that and are trying to address it in a different fashion. They
1: used to have to 10-pay long-term care, which was nice because once you'd made all the payments, they couldn't raise the cost again, but that's been gone now for several years. So, you know, uh, we, uh, we think about long-term care and nobody wants to be in a situation, where, as you said, where that really bankrupts the person who needs it, or the other people in the family. And one of the benefits of long-term care through a life insurance policy is it retains the uh, same tax consequences as if it was the death benefit. So when they prepay you on your life insurance contract and you are able to use that money, there is not additional income taxes needed at that time. And I always think with the IRS is... From the time you own a life insurance policy, the premium is meant to pass tax-free to someone. So the fact that they're letting it come tax-free back into the insured's life instead of going to a future beneficiary is not really a conflict with how it was intended in the first place. So insurance companies have realized that and have given us more options these days as far as how to access that prior to death if needed. And we all know that long-term care with all of us living longer is becoming a bigger, bigger issue for our country. So uh, we're going to come back after the break and talk a little bit more about other ways that um, you can address long-term care and also some other types of life insurance that might be of interest to you. And we hope that if you have any questions, you will contact us at mcradio at moneycounts.biz or check out our website and pick up the materials from this show. And we had a prior show last week where Chris was also our guest where we covered some uh, basic life insurance concepts that if you missed that, you would want to tune in for that as well. Thank you for listening.
0: Think of Money Counts as your financial GPS. Our four-step process helps you discover, assess, build, and implement a strategic plan for your financial future. Our advisors will help you understand how to unleash the hidden potential of your money and obtain more of what you want with the money you already have. Life's milestones, getting married, having a child, buying a home, changing jobs, and ultimately retirement, often cause the need to rearrange your financial focus. Money Counts can help you manage your money, allowing you to manage other parts of your life. Call us today at 704-315-5623 or visit us on the web at moneycounts.biz to learn more about our services. At Money Counts, our passion is helping you unleash your money's hidden potential. Again, visit moneycounts.biz or call us at 704-315-5623. Money Counts, Inc. is an independent firm with securities offered through Summit Broker Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC, advisory services offered through Summit Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Money Counts, Inc. is located at 11121 Carmel Commons Boulevard, Suite 355, Charlotte, North, Carolina, 28226. Phone number 704
2: is your company's marketing plan? Could it use a little help? For most businesses, the answer is yes. Tune in each week to Marketing That Won't Break the Bank. Host Janet Kunst and her guests will show you how and where to bring your marketing to the next level. Each show will feature action strategies that you can implement right away and see results. We'll make this easy for you. Start by tuning in every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific time.
0: Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Whether the market's up or down,
2: or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free 866-472-5790. That's
1: 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
0: You are tuned in to Money Counts, unleashing your money's hidden potential with host Debbie Peterson. If you have a question or comment about the program, please visit our Facebook page or visit moneycounts.biz. You're welcome to submit any and all questions or comments to MC Radio at moneycounts.biz. That website again is moneycounts.biz. Now back to this week's program.
1: Hello, this is Debbie Peterson. I'm here today with my partner, Nicole, and our guest speaker, Chris Essex, and we are talking about how to understand life insurance, and there's a lot of features to it that many of us are not aware of, which Chris is helping us to cover. He is a uh, sales vice president at Pinnacle Insurance and Financial Services, and he's been in the industry since 1998, and we're very happy he's here to share his expertise with us. And the topic at the moment is long-term care. We had started on that before the break, and he is going to uh, give you some more information on that and then move on to some other subjects that uh, continue on this topic.
2: All right. Well, I may have jumped ahead a little bit uh, regarding what long-term care, what it covers, why one would actually purchase it, and how the contracts used to be structured versus how they're structured today. Uh, long-term care basically is a contract where an insurer pays a premium, and in that contract, the insurance company is saying, we will provide you some sort of a daily benefit that daily benefit is normally for either home health care expenses, assisted living, or facility-based care. Uh, A normal contract would have normally been anywhere between 150 to $250 a day benefit. And a lot of them had the ability to potentially add what's called a inflationary protection rider because we know the costs are gonna be more expensive tomorrow than they are today. So, really, it allows the client to kind of pre-plan for those additional expenses when that claim would actually hit. Um, the other component of long-term care was also you had to basically go through an elimination period before you ever have a benefit. I think a lot of insureds have the miss, um I guess misinformation from the standpoint that Medicare is going to take care of all those expenses for us. Um, it will, but at some point you have to spend down every pretty much dollar of assets that you have, <laughs> excuse me, who wants to do that to get there? So what a long-term care contract allowed you to do was protect your loved one. From the standpoint if you were to go into a claim type scenario to make sure there was a benefit there to pay for whatever type of care you needed. Uh, in the North Carolina area, the average cost monthly is anywhere from six to ten thousand dollars a month, which is may or may not cover it all. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be additional medical expenses in terms of medication costs. Um, The big kind of outlier currently is Alzheimer's, cognitive impairment, and how to work through that person may be able to move and function, they just don't really know exactly where they are. So you also want to make sure that your contract that you have has provisions for cognitive impairment. So there's a lot of components that add into into the long-term care discussion. When you look at uh, traditional-based long-term care, I'll go through the different contract provisions again. Initially, it was set up to where you went on claim, and when I say on claim, that would mean you could not do two of the six activities of daily living, which currently would be bathing, dressing, toileting, uh, transferring, continents, and eating. So if you can't do two of the six, then you would potentially go on claim once you satisfied your elimination period. At that point in time, then the company would cut you a check based on your monthly or daily limit amount, and you could use those funds however you saw fit. The companies decided, hey, we want a little bit more pocketbook strings on those dollars, so they switched from an indemnity-based contract which required no receipts, to a reimbursement contract. A reimbursement contract basically says, we've got benefits for you to spend, but we want to see how you spend them. Oh, and you can't have your wife be your home health care provider, or you can't have your son or daughter do it, it has to be a licensed person. So it puts a whole lot of additional hoops that you would have to jump through to use your benefits. So and the other problem that you ran into with traditional long-term care is it's the, the cost is really unknown. There's, like you mentioned earlier, there were contracts where 10 pays and 20 pays, you're paid up, you're done. Well, those are gone now. Um, a lot of the contracts used to have lifetime benefits. You can't get that anymore. Uh, and the reason why is, once again, back to cognitive impairment your body may be fine, your mind may not be here, so a lot of those claims, because traditionally you would think a long-term care event would last two to three years, but a person with a cognitive ability, my my grandfather, he lived 15 years with Alzheimer's, he didn't have a long-term care contract, so he spent a boatload of money to take care of him, but He would have been on claim if his contract had covered cognitive impairment for 15 years. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about a huge expense on the pocketbook of insurers. That's one of the reasons that you've seen insurance company after insurance company jump out of the long-term care marketplace. So that has started the evolution towards different solutions when it comes to how to protect your loved ones in the event of long-term care, and then also having the ability, because what happens is normally one spouse would potentially get sick, the other spouse would step in, provide as much care as possible till it got down to the last minute. They had to make a different choice. And that's traditionally been the case. What the insurance companies have done now is add some additional provisions to give you additional liquidity i.e. living benefits from your life insurance once again we go back to we talked about earlier how life insurance is all for beneficiaries this allows you to live and function the way that you need to while you're still here so that's become a big change in the industry and versus when you look at a traditional long-term care contract for a reasonable benefit for a, a let's say a 60 65 year old couple started initially in the $3,000 range per year. Now it's closer to five or six. And then probably by the time you actually get to use it, you're looking at could be eight or $10,000 a year versus if you looked at your life insurance and you'd added that benefit as a rider, you're only talking about an additional eight to 12% on your premium. So it's a much, much easier way to add that additional layer of protection in a cost category that you can actually understand and deal with. Because the last thing we want to do when we're living on fixed expenses is to get a love letter from your insurance company saying, hey, we still love you, but we need 25, 30% more premium next year to keep loving you. So, and those letters are coming out. And once again, it's probably the letter that you forgot to open, or you thought it was junk mail, and next thing you know, you're getting a letter. another love letter it says, hey, your contract's gone. Because that's the other problem with long-term care. If you don't use it, you lose it. At least with life insurance, if you never use it for long-term care benefit, your beneficiary at some point will get that death benefit.
1: Mm-hmm. Chris, you talked about traditional long-term care coverage, which you mentioned was the indemnity and then the reimbursement type policies that only are covering the long-term care. And then we talked about what I would call traditional life insurance that now has a long-term care rider. But there's also some of those specialty products that are the single premium insurance policies. Would you like to go into some detail on how those work?
2: Yeah, i Uh, Quite a few of the carriers have actually taken a little bit different slant because there are quite a few people that have what, especially in this interest rate environment, I like to call dead money. Um, And that's their what if money, if this happens or that happens, that's the money they're going to utilize. The problem with it now, the leverage that you're able to get for those dollars is very little. So what a lot of the uh, insurance companies have actually put in place are what's called an asset-based long-term care contract. And basically what it gives you is some multiple of your money for debt benefit. Um, You know, one might be, let's say you deposit $100,000 for you, $100,000 for your wife. You might get $180,000, $190,000 of debt benefit out of the gate. And it decreases over time to maybe 150, 160, but you might get three or four hundred thousand dollars for long-term care. So now, all of a sudden, you're getting almost a, a two or three or four to one leverage on those monies that are your what-if monies that were really for that purpose anyway, if that what-if event happens. The other thing that I like about a lot of those contracts is, depending on the carrier, a lot of them have a guaranteed return of premium. Because a lot of these people say, well, what if I need the money for something else? Well, great news is if your goal changes or your thought process towards the product changes, you go, you fill out the form, they send your money back. So it really allows a client that has that rainy day fund, that what if fund, to use it more effectively. Because right now... If you've got $100,000 sitting at a bank, you basically are paying whoever your savings institution is to hold your money. Because you're probably earning less than a percent on it. If you're in a money market account, you might be, you're probably less than a quarter of a percent. So the whole thing about how effectively you use those monies that you have.
1: So some of the contracts I'm familiar with, the minimum deposit, might be $50,000 per person, and let's say we had uh, someone that was in early 50s, so based on their age and their health, they might get, as you said, four to five, sometimes even six times that benefit available as long-term care benefit, in addition to having a larger death benefit than the amount of money they had on deposit. So what the people are giving up is potential earnings on that $50,000, but they're trading those earnings for what they would have had to pay in premiums, which is substantially higher, and they get a product with multiple uses. So I found that that has been very appealing to people, and it fixes the cost of what their coverage is Mm -hmm. instead of having that issue about needing, um, you know, the insurance company needing to raise rates. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Getting your annual letter, as you say. Your love letter. Yes, your love letter. Also something that's uh, particular to long-term care coverage is quite often there are discounts or higher multiples if you're doing a husband and wife at the same time and if you happen to have a preferred health rating. So, um, studies have shown that people who are married or in couples tend to have a longer lifespan without long-term care than people who are on their own. So that's part of the reason for the discounts being offered. You know, if you haven't looked into it and you're interested, it really is uh, worthwhile just to find out if there's something that you could move around in your financial picture and get additional benefits without really costing you any, giving up anything that you have now.
2: And I will say a lot of the companies have actually switched now to going to a different category, which is more along the lines of the 10 or the 10, 20 type kind of pay. And the reason is in this low interest rate environment, companies really don't want all your money at one time because they don't have anything to do with it. So you can actually set up a lot of these contracts to do a 10 or 20 pay. And so instead of taking that hit all up front, you're once again able to do that over time. Um, So it really levelizes the impact that a person might have to feel thinking they're letting go of an asset, but you're not really letting go of that asset. So there's a lot of ways that by working with the different carriers, different products within companies. Uh, One of the carriers even has, because the question I get all the time, well, what if I've got a contract and my spouse has a contract? One of them uses it, one of them doesn't. One of the companies in particular actually has a shared benefit option. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we really, the nice thing about it is if you share with your advisor what your needs wants and desires are, there's probably a product out there that fits it. Um, It's just you have to have that honest conversation with your advisor to let them know what your goals, wants, and desires are. And they're going to change over time. And you're going to think one thing five years later, and you're going to say, what was I thinking back then? So, or my kid's lost his mind i'm not leaving him that money we're going to leave it over here so you know you really want to have an advisor in place it's not only going to look at protecting your investable assets but protecting the ones you love i think that's the key is putting in place a plan to where there's not a bunch of potholes and unforeseen things that happen And you can't do that if you're only looking at the investments.
1: Right. And we have had situations where someone would pass away unexpectedly and their spouse would be left with trying to piece things together and maybe not having any um, money that was available right away, things like that. And what's unfortunate about that is here this person's already in one of the most stressful uh, times in their lives And they will feel very guilty because they find themselves getting angry that the other person had not planned ahead better. So, you know, just think about that side of things, too, is it's just such a stressful time when somebody dies and you really want to make whatever has to happen afterwards to settle their affairs as straightforward as possible. And there are tools to do that, but they don't work if you haven't investigated them and chosen which ones they are. (laughs) And you don't want to find out. It's really hard if, if... if you, you as a person hasn't, haven't shared where all your accounts are and all of those sorts of things with family members, and maybe you're uncomfortable doing that, but that's where the financial advisor can help because they can collect that information and be a resource to your family at that point in time. We will be back with more from Chris after the break.
0: Think of Money Counts as your financial GPS. Our four-step process helps you discover, assess, build, and implement a strategic plan for your financial future. Our advisors will help you understand how to unleash the hidden potential of your money and obtain more of what you want with the money you already have. Life's milestones, getting married, having a child, buying a home, changing jobs, and ultimately retirement, often cause the need to rearrange your financial focus. Money Counts can help you manage your money, allowing you to manage other parts of your life. Call us today at 704-315-5623 or visit us on the web at moneycounts.biz to learn more about our services. At Money Counts, our passion is helping you unleash your money's hidden potential. Again, visit moneycounts.biz or call us at 704-315-5623. Money Counts, Inc. is an independent firm with securities offered through Summit Broker Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC, advisory services offered through Summit Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Money Counts, Inc. is located at 11121 Carmel Commons Boulevard, Suite 355, Charlotte, North North Carolina, 28226, phone number 704 Get a unique and playful insider's take on the biggest stories in tech, media, and entertainment. Join H. Schwartz, well-known technology catalyst, comedian, and geek girl, as she and leading experts in the media and content business dive into the biggest stories in technology trends, consumer behaviors, and its impact on Hollywood. If you're looking to respond to the tech-fueled changes in the marketplace, Then tune in to the Tech Cat Show, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business and syndicated to Voice America Women's Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click
1: of way at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VAPressPass by Voice America. All access, all the time.
2: Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you.
0: You are tuned in to Money Counts, unleashing your money's hidden potential with host Debbie Peterson. If you have a question or comment about the program, please visit our Facebook page or visit moneycounts.biz. You're welcome to submit any and all questions or comments to MC Radio at moneycounts.biz. That website again is moneycounts.biz. Now back to this week's program.
1: Hi, this is Debbie at Money Counts here today with Nicole Maloney, my partner, and Chris Essex from Pinnacle Insurance and Financial Services, and Chris has been talking about life insurance and all the different ways it can be used, and we are going to ask him to cover some of the advanced planning strategies that can also be helpful.
2: Yeah, like I said, I think one of the most common misconceptions of life insurance, it is just for people after you pass. Um, We talked about in the last segment, how life insurance could potentially protect you and keep you in better care when you're still here from long-term care. Um, Another way it can be used is in terms of adding an additional asset for your retirement planning. Uh, A lot of people nowadays, if you are blessed enough to save, want to retire before 65 or 66 or 67, whenever your new retirement date that you can get Social Security actually is, if it exists, (laughs) and this potentially could be a bridge, and the nice thing about the income from that bridge, as long as that life insurance contract is in place, it's non-taxable as well. So you may only be able to get thirty or $40,000 a year, but when you look at that same income from a taxable basis, it might be closer to $40,000, maybe even $60,000, depending on your tax bracket. So it can be a very, very powerful planning tool that can bridge different periods in time. Uh, a lot of the people that I work with are basically strapped into the max amount they can put into their 401k. So because you're bound by ERISA guidelines, making sure everything's fair for all the participants of the plan so it qualifies for federal guidelines. Life insurance, as long as you don't get it to the point that we get to what I called earlier that modified endowment contract, you can keep that favorable tax provisions. Uh, A lot of the companies as well Let's say you were taking those loans or withdrawals out of your contract and you took a little bit too much. They actually have what's called an overloan provision that at that point in time, the company puts a stop sign, says you can't get any more money out, but we're not going to let your contract lapse. So because if you've taken all those distributions and your contract lapses along the way, all those distributions potentially could be taxable. So... Making sure, once again, this just reiterates again, life insurance is not set it and forget it. If you have a plan in place, if you have goals in place, whatever you're using it for, review it. If you, How often do you review your investments? I know some people pull them up every day. God bless you if you do, but <laughs> yeah. at least review your life insurance once a year. Your goals change, your needs change, your health's going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, being able to make sure, like any other financial goal, that this asset is going where you want it to go. And that's what you have to start thinking of life insurance as. It's not life insurance only. It's an asset. It's an additional asset to you and the people that you love. Because if you're not here tomorrow, what other product? Great example, myself. I pay $35 a month to a company that if I pass tomorrow is going to give my loved ones a million dollars. How many months of putting money into a 401k or a mutual fund account would it take to get that like return? Quite a more, <laughs> at least a minute or two. We'll say that. So,
1: more than the 30 years, I think at $35 a
2: month. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you really have to look at the end result of what leverage, that's what life insurance is about, It's about leverage. Mm-hmm. So whether it be leveraging your assets for retirement purposes, um, you know great example. I've got a dentist that I helped an advisor with uh, up in Asheville. and he was basically strapped in his 401k by how much he could put in. But he had him and his other partner, doctor that had extra money sitting around. And they looked at doing a buy-sell agreement, adding retirement planning thoughts into it. So not only are they protecting their corporation if one of them were to pass, but they're also providing themselves additional retirement benefits. So, and one of the guys had been in the practice for a long time. He wanted to retire within the next 10 years. I don't know know what retirement really is, but some people are going to get there. (laughs) But what it allowed that person to do, because he was going to go out at 55, was his plan If he had started taking money out of his uh, qualified accounts, he would have been locked into what's called a 72T, Uh, and that basically is, or 72Q actually, probably a better way to say it, but it would have allowed him to take distributions over time, but if you vary that one iota, it's taxable. Life insurance doesn't have those.
1: Right. And it's not it's not so much that it's taxable, but it puts it back under the early withdrawal penalty rules. So it's something that we don't use very often. And it's not a very high amount that you can take out. The premise is that you got a tax deduction for. The amount of the deposit you put into your plan, but you did not get a tax deduction or deferral for the income earned on it. So the IRS will estimate using their formula, the amount of income you can take out without an early withdrawal penalty.
2: So it basically, life insurance removes all those barriers. As long as the life insurance stays in force, if you want to take $50,000 or $100,000, if you funded it to where you want that life insurance program to buy that vacation home when you're ready to retire, we can structure that for you. So, it's a a very, very powerful tool, but you have to be in talks with your advisor to look at what your goals are, and I guarantee your goals fluctuate outside of only being worried about your investments.
1: Right, I think another important thing is we're used to dealing with, say, a 401k, and you get that 18,000 or whatever it is for your age amount of money you can put in every year. But if you miss a year, you can't go back and put that in. Life insurance isn't like that. Life insurance, you can move that money and cash value in and out of the policy, as you said, as long as it doesn't lapse, and so therefore you can use the money over and over again. People use it for deposits on um, rental properties and things like that, or to do a fixer upper and then resell it and put the money back in their policy. Or another, any other kind of starting a business, for instance, you can use it for that and then the business gets up and running and you can put the money back in and it's mm-hmm. as if you didn't take it out. So it's very flexible. It's not as regulated as far as how much you can put in or when you take it out as are the uh, more typical plans we're used to hearing about, like Roths and IRAs.
2: Yeah, great example would be I've got a couple of uh, contractors that we work with and they actually have a large amount of cash they have to hold on the books to bond. You can actually structure it where life insurance is still an asset of corporation but provides the benefit that the owners needed. So, and we added in long-term care because both these guys were a little older. So, it's a win-win. And the corporation can basically take care of the long-term care without a taxable benefit. So we added that rider, we gave them the liquidity, kept it on their books, and added the long-term care piece to it. Right, and
1: probably for construction workers, the disability piece would be key, too, because it's very hard for them to get individual disability coverage rather than being underwritten for a life insurance policy with just a rider attached to it.
2: And that's a very, very good point. Traditional disability and long-term care are two of the hardest contracts to actually qualify for. Life insurance is health-based. You could be in good health and have an adverse occupation, firefighter, policeman, or you're not getting a good look on disability or long-term care. Life insurance, oh, you're healthy as an ox. Great. You get Preferred Plus. So that's a huge point there to allow some people that would not have access to some of the different traditional products, getting them access to uh, protection in a different capacity. So, and another one of the things I think that's very prevalent I see life insurance used for is college planning. So when little Tommy or little Sally or whatever their name is, is born, a lot of people will put not only life insurance on mom and dad, but also potentially life insurance on that child as well. And they'll structure a point in time to where funds will flow out of those contracts when they get to either 18, 20, or maybe when they complete college at 21, they do the withdrawal, basically exhaust all. A lot of the strategies I actually see folks doing is financing the actual, um, using... I guess, loans during the period that the kids are in school and then paying them off at the end because a lot of times the assets in the contract are actually growing at, at a better rate than what the interest rates are on the school loans. Yeah. So there's pretty much life insurance, hate, say, can be a jack of all trades. It really can. I mean, there's so many different planning goals and opportunities that you can use life insurance for. When I said earlier that life insurance is kind of boring and not fun this is what makes life insurance fun when you can help people attain their dreams through the use of life insurance.
1: Right. Well, and for our business, we do, as you suggested, we like to look at everything that a client could be doing with their money and make sure that they're focusing in the right place. And the way we do that is we use business planning principles rather than more traditional planning principles where we're starting with where you are today with your resources and what you would like to do in your life in the next three to five years that would make you feel successful. And then we help you look at where is your money going and does it align up with what your goals are. So that part of the process can be fun too. We're not as bad as going to the dentist, <laughs> at least from what I've been told. <laughs> And we like to have a good time when we're talking to people, and it makes us feel well when we can take less stress out of your life by helping you make decisions that you're comfortable with and sharing those decisions with your family so they are more comfortable too. Uh, We do quite a bit of transition planning, so if you know anyone who's going through a transition, changing jobs, or something like that, please have them check us out at www.moneycounts.biz. Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Money Counts, unleashing your money's hidden potential. Be sure to join host Debbie Peterson again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of our show. Opinions expressed are those of the speaker and are not endorsed by the named broker, dealer, or its affiliates. All information has been prepared solely for informational purposes and is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. Certain statements offered are forward looking, including but not limited to statements that are predictions of or indicate future events, trends, plans, or objectives. Undue reliance should not be placed on such statements because, by their nature, they are subject to known and unknown risks and uncertainties. The information provided is not intended as tax or legal advice. You are encouraged to Seek tax or legal advice from an independent professional advisor. Money Counts Inc. is an independent firm with securities that are offered through registered representatives of Summit Brokerage Services Inc. Member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Summit Financial Group Inc., a registered investment advisor. Summit Brokerage Services Inc. and Summit Financial Group Inc. are separate and unrelated to any other named entity. Debbie Peterson is a registered investment advisor located at 11121 Carmel Commons Boulevard, Suite 355, Charlotte, North Carolina 28226. Phone number is 704 315 5623.